Hey, and welcome back to the discard pile. That's right, AB, Robin and I are still running through our top 50 games, and on this episode we'll go through games 40 down to 31, and I guess we just pick up where we left off. So looking at the rest of my list, like one thing I was careful with in terms of not putting on this list is... Bad games. Well, bad games, and also things that may be too much of a recency bias... Uh, in my list so i haven't put on a few that i really enjoy mm-hmm. and i can talk about it at the end of the when we do our top 10 probably but things that could have made it into this list but maybe i wasn't sure or needed a few more plays to to get into but there there's a couple in here that may you know need a few more plays as well like in my top 40 remaining but i felt pretty good about putting them on but some of them yeah a little bit too new maybe yeah, I think that's something that I'm also thinking about a lot with this list. Usually I don't really, you know, I play a game once or twice and I think, oh yeah, I really like that. And then maybe I don't play it for a really long time and that's fine. But going back and having to make this list makes me really want to replay those games that I'm on the fence about. Yeah. Or that I really, really enjoyed for two plays, but just want to make sure they hold up um, for a couple more. So yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it's kind of in some ways highlighted a few games that wouldn't usually get highlighted in my in my collection or you know yeah sometimes i've I've, especially in this upcoming 10 that we're going to do in Mm -hmm. 40 31 some of them i'm like oh i do really like that one yeah and i should get that to the table again yeah and my 40 if we're just going to jump right into it is one of those games for sure i think i've only played this a handful of times uh but this game is god's love dinosaurs oh yeah i really surprising don't love tallying usually but I really love food web simulation games. And the fact that you draft tiles that make smaller animals that get eaten by larger animals that get eaten by dinosaurs mm-hmm. is just really cool. And having to not only build a tableau in front of you with tiles that is going to score you points, but also one that is going to be able to sustain itself and not kind of go bust. In this game, you draft tiles that have various animals on them. They can have insects, they can have rabbits, they can have reptiles. And then at the end of each round, one of the three types will populate. So maybe you'll have more insects placed on the board, more rabbits or more reptiles placed on the board. And then those things that are on your on your board get fed to larger animals. So you can draft like an eagle or you can draft a cougar and they'll run around your ecosystem and, and eat up all the rabbits or eat up all the insects. And then after that, you have dinosaurs which roam around and eat the larger animals such as the eagles and the cougars. And that's how you get points. So balancing the three levels of of the food chain is really what this game comes down to. And then also there's like a bit of a timing aspect on when those animals will both feed, but also when they will reproduce. So no herbivore dinosaurs in this one? No herbivore dinosaurs. No, all T-Rex. All T-Rex. All T-Rex all the time. So it's not God loves dinosaurs, it's God loves T-Rex. Yeah, it's God's love T-Rex. God's. It's uh, the worst name. Non, yeah. Not one... Uh, singular god but yep. many gods and they mm. love t-rexes and they love t-rexes and who doesn't Wait, yeah are you the only one that's played this uh, i think i played, I think this. played it a while ago yeah i can't remember much of it but i remember that it w- i enjoyed it it was okay. fun i generally like tiling games mm-hmm. so it's probably up my alley yeah i didn't pay t- yeah i haven't heard too much about it so it, I don't it's know not it, the best game but the theme really is perfect for me i right. love it and then also it has things th- eating other things yeah things yeah, eating yeah. other things <laughs> yeah. and then it has the thing where like your animals can starve 
there's nothing else to eat. You've planned very poorly, and your whole game, right. you just look at your board, and you're like, I've messed up. These guys are going to die. Does it only trigger at the very end or something? Like, or are uh, there specific phases where that sort of yes. eating things trigger? It is. Okay. There are certain phases where it triggers, and if they can't eat, they get removed from the board. Yeah, I like that sort of tension in games. Yes. Like that sort of impending, impending, impending doom. Impending doom. If yeah. you can fail halfway through the game, I want to play. Right. It's, you know, way more fun than just like... Well, can I interest you in Age of Steam? <laughs> <laughs> you can fail in the first turn. Yeah. <laughs> that one. That's maybe a little too much failing for me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. but uh yeah. yeah the idea is there for sure and when you can see it coming from a mile off it, it's very fun mm-hmm. so right anyway that's uh god's love dinosaurs my 40th 40th favorite game of all time yeah my 40th is one we've already talked about it's uh hansa to tonica um yeah i first played this game and thought it wasn't that great but i think we played at a very loose player count on a big board uh, there's many maps to Hansa Teutonica I think you can get um, but playing the original at the proper five player count really adds to the tension of it uh, we've been through it so I won't go into too much detail but I love games where you upgrade your own player powers that's why games like Scythe Great Western Trail um, anytime a game brings us out I will play it because it gives me the opportunity to just see what other people are doing and go in a totally different direction and see if the game is balanced or fun what I love about this game in terms of that player power is that it's such an action tight game that like any decision you make in terms of what to upgrade is very impactful. Yeah. You know, you can't upgrade everything in the game, just like something like Terra Mystica, like you kind of choose your route and yeah. and you kind of live with it through the game. So it's not a long game. And so the player powers actually really matter in this. Yeah, we haven't played enough, but Council of Shadows had the same sort of thing but i feel like we upgraded everything by the end of the game Mm -hmm. maybe that wouldn't happen with repeat plays but yeah i really love when you go down a strategy and you're forced to neglect some other part of your board or other part of your player power i haven't played this enough to put this on my list i own it i'd like to play it more yeah i i love it at that large player count or not large but four to five players probably and it's a pretty unique game mechanically as well like i think the first time we played it it was just so strange that Maybe we didn't quite understand what was going on. You've played it more. I've only played it that one time. Right. So I, you know, I still have those feelings of like, what is even happening? What is going on? Yeah. Yeah. You're not exactly sure how it all interacts. Like it's fairly rule simple. Yeah. But it's fairly complex once you're trying to decide what is actually beneficial for you. Mm -hmm. So very cool game. I'm glad it's on your guys list. Cool. And that was 40 for Jim. Hansa Teutonica. My number 40 is one that I... This is one I want to revisit. Uh, it definitely made a lasting impression. I didn't try it when it was first released in 2014, uh, but have gotten a couple plays in on this. It is called Antique 2. Mm-hmm. It is the second version of Antique. Maybe surprise it's surprising me that it's it made the list. Yeah, for sure. Um, it is a Mac Gertz title, who's most famous for his game Concordia. Mm-hmm. And this one is... He had a series of games with a rondelle. And so Concordia is kind of like a looser rondelle where you're taking actions in a card order and then you have to like take a turn to take your action cards back. Uh, but Antique is a fixed rondelle on the board and you're taking actions to build, move armies, take over established cities, build temples, sail the seas. And really you're racing all the other players to acquire favors of 
what they call like personalities. So like navigators, general citizens, kings and scholars. And so each one has like certain requirements that you're racing for, like have this many of this resource in the game. The game itself is a really clean design and, and has elements of a sort of quicker 4X style game where you're developing as a civilization and expanding and taking over cities from other other players. So there's a lot of player interaction and I do want to play it more at like the four to five player player count and see how it how it holds up more. Yeah, I, I've wanted to play this just because it's been described as like a, a good civ building game, um, which is hard to find and a really cool genre that I would like to play more of. But yeah, I haven't played this one. It's a very Euro <laughs> civ okay. building game, which is probably why I like it. Is there the four X's or is it like 3.5 X? Is it extermination? Like three X. There, there is. You're taking over okay. um, cities. and So it's very simple combat. It's like one-to-one removal. I mean, like, yeah. Great. Yeah. Don't overcomplicate it. Yeah, yeah, I've heard good things. Obviously, I think everyone's heard good things about Antique. It's one of those classics. Uh, would love to try it. It's definitely up my alley. Love Civ building. Love rondelles. Will be a theme in my top 50 as some rondelle games coming up. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one of the lower ranked. I think just as of recording, the board game rank is 1,455. So Outrageous. Yeah, not not too too highly or like well-regarded, but probably because it hasn't been re- really reprinted since then. Mm-hmm. What's the playtime on this guy? About 90 minutes, two hours, oh. probably. So longer, but probably... Not too like, long for a yeah, set for... game. Yeah, it's fairly abstract i would say not well the Mm -hmm. gameplay isn't abstract but um the theme is not like heavy um but really good and that was my number 40 and tk2 something that i'm noticing about all my games on the you know 40 to 31 is that most of them are either really thematically uh enjoyable or mechanically enjoyable but maybe not always both Mm-hmm. And I think this falls into that camp for me. It's Pursuit of Happiness. So Pursuit mm-hmm. of Happiness is basically life, the Euro game. Uh, you draft different aspects of your life and you try to accumulate happiness, money, um, and various items, uh, as well as relationships to try to score the most points. It's pretty simple. There's nine worker placement spots on the board. They can give you things like uh, more intellect or more creativity, and then you spend those resources to do various things such as start a band or, you know, make a movie or become an actor. You can also draft a job. You can draft a relationship, which, you know, there's card rows out for both of those things. Just like in real life. That's exactly how it works yeah. as well. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Drafting. Perfect. That's hinge. <laughs> yeah. It's a drafting game. <laughs> and the theme is excellent. It, it really pulls off what life is trying to do and creates cool stories out of just a bunch of cards and a a little board. There's more mechanics. So like, you know, happiness and health both matter and you can create more worker placement spots by like starting a club and you could go visit your friends. That can be a worker placement spot that brings you happiness. But yeah, overall it's just a very simple worker placement drafting game where you build a little life and a story to go with it and you score some points, but it does the theme so well that uh, I really love it. Yeah, do we play this together or have I not played this with you? Yeah, we played it a long time yeah. ago. Uh, it is also one of my favorites. It didn't make my top 50, but because I think, as you mentioned, I think the theme is great and the mechanics of this game is not bad. It's yeah. just like 
nothing exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I strictly play this as a role-playing game, and uh, it, the game makes it easy to do yes. so. It makes it so easy to just tell someone's life story through this. Mm-hmm. So um, the gameplay experience is the thing that like boosts it up. Yeah, I worried that this would be pretty much specific to our group, where mm-hmm. like Sean and I are like, hey, we'll play Pursuit of Happiness, but you have to be aware that we're going to play this in a way that we're role-playing or telling a story as opposed right. to, you know, making the decision that gives us the most points at the time because it's way more fun if you're just, like, playing this in a role-playing manner. Yeah, like, I think I my... would like it in that regard. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't played the game, but yeah. um, that sounds like a fun time. I, I think the opposite is also fun, though. Going for points makes an interesting story, you know? Like, right, right, just yeah. automatically makes, like, a, ooh, yeah, <laughs> I like guess you, I'm doing this now. You don't want to get promoted. Yeah. Like, you're not thinking in your head that your character's getting promoted, but then the card for your, your job promotion comes up, and you're like, well, this would be really good for me, so I'm getting promoted now. You know, you're not deciding beforehand it's going right. to happen, but if the opportunity arises, you take it and you go with it. I think that goes hand in hand with what Jim is saying. Yeah, it's just I, like, I think so, too. You're just rolling with the punches. Exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's cute. It's nice. It has a billion expansions. Uh, I think if you really enjoy life because of the theme, you would enjoy this. Otherwise, yeah, maybe not as mechanically sound as some other games on this list. And that's Pursuit of Happiness, my number 39. 39 for me was a game AB introduced that uh, once he introduced to me, I was very disappointed I couldn't get a copy of because it was a Kickstarter um, it also leads into, you know, my love for rondelles. And this game is, of course, Iki. Uh, Iki has recently had a reprint. Um, I managed to get a first edition copy like six months before the reprint was announced. Pretty happy with the first edition copy and had no real inkling for the second. The second does have nice art and better graphic design for sure although a bit of background if you ever want a game to get reprinted get jim to buy a (laughs) copy of the current edition yeah Yeah. i have a study no i have mystery of the abbey which i finally managed to get a copy of like three months ago and then yeah by yokohama jim (laughs) yeah 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 and then a reprint will be announced magically study in emerald first edition (laughs) which I do have, which is now getting reprinted. Yeah, so Iki's great. Every round you decide how far your worker or your person, Meeple, travels around a board, which represents a kind of open street shopping center, Iki. And the twist to this is everyone has employees that they can place out in this shopping center. And if you stop and use someone else's employees, uh, you get the benefit of what they do give you but um that employee gets more experience and there's this whole concept of leveling up and retiring and having your shopkeepers retire is fantastic you get a set of them and your in-game points it's fantastic you get income for for a lot of them will provide you with like income right? yeah it's a bit of an awkward game because i don't think like the resource gathering part of it is interesting at all and the resource conversion part is also not really interesting my favorite part is just walking around this mall and leveling up shop assistants whether that be my shop assistants or someone else's i think that whole system is really intriguing and fun to play to try to 
um, because you're making those decisions, I could go to AB's worker and level them up, but also gain the resources I need. Or I can like speed walk through the shopping center and level up all my workers because once you make a lap, all your workers level, level yeah. up. And, and that's the interesting part too, is like that there's this kind of decision space where at the beginning of the round, you decide turn order. Mm-hmm. And that turn order also dictates how far you can move. And so you can go earlier but you take if you were you move just one space right and then like you can go later but you can go up to four so you can go faster but it's also dictates turn order and you're racing for certain things like some some bonuses and stuff are on a timer Mm -hmm. i would say it does feel like a lot of these rules were like put together so i don't think it's like the cleanest game or the most uh the game that just flows well i think it is something of a original concept that probably needs a bit more fleshing out as as far as adding more to the interesting game mechanic but it is definitely a favorite in my collection Mm -hmm. i love the first edition artwork too yeah um this almost made my list but this is one that i feel like i haven't played much recently to like put it into it would have been within the last one like 50 to 41 probably i would say the first edition is more thematic in artwork and the second edition is adds clarity yeah (laughs) Yeah, easier to use like has a little player board that helps with understanding what you're trying to do Mm -hmm. yeah i love the rondelle i love the leveling up i hate the scoring like the way you score like the pipes the sets and uh, just like so unexciting. Okay, right, right. And then yeah, like oh the pipes, yeah. The you have like the you have little tobacco pipes. You need a tobacco pouch and then an, a tobacco pipe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, um, how are you gonna smoke the tobacco from your pouch? Thematically, you need both to score, Robin. <laughs> yes, that makes sense. That yeah. makes Yet sense. there's an impending fire, so I feel like we should be de-emphasizing smoking. Tobacco smoking. Use, yeah. yeah. The so, fire is the part I <laughs> personally like the least. I understand why it's exciting um, mm-hmm. in the game. Fires will come up throughout the game, three of them. Uh, and so three parts of the mall will burn down. Uh, you can hire fire brigades to help you uh, throughout the game. And you have to hire them before the fire starts. So you need to pay your dues to the fire brigade. And then if the fire starts on your side of the mall, they'll come save you. But you can strategically place your buildings or your uh, shop keeps yeah. in spaces where other people already have fire brigades paid for. And so they will save you from the fire before you burn. It's mm-hmm. not a part of the game I'm good at. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a part of a game where we see Robin do all the work and we place <laughs> our buildings next to his. Oh, I'll go behind that. <laughs> yeah, I'm very risk averse. <laughs> yeah. so. so, you know, I think that is interesting, but maybe not the part that I love. I think the scoring is not great. There's like these achievement tiles that I don't find super exciting. In the new version, they're at least variable. I think they're, they added more yeah. of them rather than the same set every game. Uh, I think in the expansion. In the are. expansion, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there is that, which is cool. Um, but I love the rondelle and I love the leveling up feels so satisfying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, the turn order, which I usually don't really care for in games is also really interesting because you, you care how far you can go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a really, really cool game. And that was my number 39 Iki. My number 39 is also a fairly recent reprint, but an older title called Habitats. This one was one we played quite a lot on TTS, like during the, the pandemic when we were remote gaming a lot. And I kind of fell in love with this pretty simple system of drafting a tile and then building building out your little animal habitat or reserve. In the game, you're, you have a little Jeep that you're moving and you can choose one of three tiles in front of you and you draft those tiles. And the tiles both have a sort of recipe of fulfillment goal. 
of landscape types that the animal wants to live near. And so you want to build those landscapes out to like fulfill that goal in order to score that tile. But each uh, animal is on a different landscape type. So you have to strategically place these in a way that will try to fulfill as many of those goals as possible. And so this is re-implemented a lot of times by the designer and Uwe Rosenberg, who kind of partnered with the designer on Nova Luna. And so Sagani and Framework are based off of the system of tile fulfillment. This is the only one I've played, but this game is really, really good. <laughs> it's so satisfying. Having the tile be both uh, a requirement to fulfill another contract and be a contract itself is just... Every time you complete something, you're already halfway to complete something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just kind of cascades into this really nice feeling of constantly be doing something really, really cool. And yeah, it looks yeah. really nice. It's a mix of that tactical and then that planning ahead. Like, yes. oh, I need that for this, but I, go, okay, I can probably build out that, that habitat before the game ends. Two hot takes for this. I didn't love the second edition graphic design or component direction they went with i think i prefer first edition which might be crazy but i don't know every animal has a meeple associated you score you place for meeple on it was a bit much i see how you people don't love it have to play that yeah you can just flip the tile yeah, there is yeah. the scored side on the that back is the deluxe it. edition as well oh yeah it's it the is deluxe. the deluxe okay edition with um the unique animals so you can play with the regular edition where you just there's these little check mark tokens yeah. i think that you can place on that you've completed it and the round scoring also... That was in the original. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, I could take it or leave it. It's not yeah. the funny Yeah, it's game. like five yeah. points at most mm-hmm. that you gain over another player. And the second hot take is I think Nova Luna is the better game. <laughs> yeah, Nova Luna, I definitely like it as yeah. well. It's just that this one, it just is more attractive. Yeah, I think you there. introduce people to habitats, but I think Nova Luna has more game behind it because it does the patchwork thing where the better tiles are going to cost you more time yeah okay and like it's a part of like time management and and action order so it's definitely up there and i do would probably rate them both the same Mm -hmm. i play new nova luna a lot on bga Hmm. it's a little tough to teach so i don't actually own it anymore right right like it's just like habitats is a little bit easier Mm -hmm. for people to understand while nova luna has that sort of time management aspect and the race aspect that like I find experienced player will always benefit. <laughs> so it's very tough to teach a new player. Right. Yep. And have them be good in like one or two or even three plays. I haven't played Nova Luna, but I'd be interested to play. Mm-hmm. I think also this mechanic is just so solid that go- going for something like, you know, pipeline and, and taking the pipe puzzles and, and making a bigger game, I feel like it'd be really interesting to take a, a puzzle like this and implement it in a larger system. Who knows? Maybe Uwe will have a fifth game in this line. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I really, really like this one. Great choice. Okay, that was my number 39, Habitats. 38, Robin. Ooh, it's a good one. So this one, I think, checks both boxes. The theme is great. The mechanics are great. It's a fun game that I love. That's my, three boxes. Three boxes. <laughs> all Not three both boxes. boxes. Okay. Well, all these games check yeah, the third yeah. box. So yeah. no surprise okay. there. Uh, this game is Broom Service. Which is a little bit low maybe for me. It's fallen off a bit since I used to really, really love it. Broom Service is a game about controlling two witches. You fly through a kingdom trying to deliver various potions to different towers and scoring points every time you do. Broom Service is a game where you have nine cards to choose from. You pick an amount of cards around four for a four-player game and you can take those actions on your turn. 
When you take an action, you have the choice to be brave, which is a stronger action, or cowardly, which is a weaker action. If you take the cowardly action, no matter what, you get to take the action. But if you're brave, everyone else around the table has a chance to take that action instead of you. So if I say I'm brave, I'll get a better action, but I have to wait for Jim and AB to both say that they're not taking that action. If they took the action, if they drafted that action into their hand, they must take it, and then no matter what, I lose the action. But they could be cowardly, which would allow me to take the brave action. So it only stops you from taking the action if someone else is brave. It's a bit of push your luck. It's a little bit of try to figure out what other people have chosen based on their position on the board. Um, yeah, it's a really, really cool game. The cards, I should say, I guess, that some of the cards collect resources that help you gain potions. Uh, and then some cards move you around the board. And then a third type of card lets you deliver the potions to the various places on the board, depending on region or terrain type. The thing I love about this game is the map, the board state is pretty readable. Yes. Like you can kind of tell what someone is going to want to do. So you can try to be like, oh, I'm going to choose this because I probably want to piggyback off that with a cowardly mm -hmm. action or something. But there is a sort of like hand management portion. It's almost like trick taking, yes. I would say, <laughs> where you, if you win with a cowardly yeah. turn, you then have to lead, which means you're, sorry, a brave turn. Mm -hmm. You then have to lead, which means you're probably going to play cowardly because it's very unlikely that the leading player, the person who plays first, will get to take a brave action. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of like, a little bit of kind of push your luck is like what other people want to do or want to be um or were willing to risk yes you know so if you're even the first or in a four player game and why i think it's best of the four you're probably willing to risk it in a five player game you're almost always the first and second player always cowardly because yeah. it's unlikely that the remaining three will not want to take a brave action yeah exactly and and sometimes because say ab takes a move action i need to play my move action because we've started playing move action. It's like a must follow in a trick taking game. And sometimes that will disrupt your plans. But mm -hmm. the nice thing and what saves this game is that you have two witches. So you can kind of plan, okay, if I have to move first, I move this witch. Right. If I'm moving second for my actions, then I can move this other witch and do this other thing. Yeah. So it allows you to kind of have a tree of options uh, when you start the round and then find out kind of how it's going to work out throughout the round. Yeah, it is so well designed, this game. It From is, very good. Even the tiniest details, even the theme works really well with this game. It's so fun to just declare that I am the brave wood fairy yeah. or whatever mm -hmm. and go around the table and be disappointed because really Robin <laughs> is. Yeah, you're not actually the brave. I'm yeah, not the fairy. bravest or having to declare your cowardly yes. just feels a bit sheepish in the game. So even like yes. it's one of those rare Euros that has some moments in the game where it's hilarious or it's aggressive or it's fun. The only downside is when a person feels behind and they have to feel they need to take the brave actions and it doesn't work out. You just get further behind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but plan better. You have two witches, just plan better. I would love to see more maps and that's really the only thing I think would make this game come back alive to our table is just more maps. There is a map on the other side of the board, mm -hmm. uh, which is really cool. There's like three mini expansions in the box mm -hmm. that you can play with if you want. But the game doesn't need it really. I think more maps would get it back to our table, but it's a game I love. And I really love showing it to people for the first time because of all those things you said, you know. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's an interesting game that feels different, but also just saying that you're brave and cowardly is really fun mm -hmm. and separates it from other games.
I have a pretty easy time teaching it because you just teach what each card does. Yeah. You know, like you just go through, it's kind of like Concordia where here's this card action, here's this card action. And then you can kind of explain how it all comes together with the, yeah, brave and cowardly. Yeah. It's almost like a twist, right? Uh, you can explain all the actions and then say, but wait, you can, you can do the brave action on, or like the stronger yeah. action only if no one else does it. And then there's the, there's the hook and then everyone's in. So that's my 38 broom service. My 38 is also an overlap, I think. My memory's a bit hazy right now. It is Aura et Labora. Wow. Oh, okay. Nothing else to go into that. My So I'll just talk about more my experience playing it. It was one of the heaviest games ever. I think AB bought this out while the group was probably less than a year old, maybe less than two years old for sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe less than a year old. Um, and it was really my formal intro to a heavy uwe game mm-hmm. pretty sure we probably played lahav before that but i this think is i was on that table oh, okay very yeah, right. yeah so and it just blew my mind about how difficult decisions can be fun it was the game that made me uh i don't only play heavy games but i'm now biased towards the heavy side um and that was the game that made me realize you know having to make difficult decisions in a short space of time in a thing that doesn't even matter. It's board games. is a really fun exercise to do. Um, coming up with strategies, managing timing. You know, I hate all of that about my job, but playing in this <laughs> tight board game where the theme is interesting, I'm making my little farm area with its farmhouses and fields. Very fun. And so I thank AB for bringing that out to me and really enabling my journey into heavy uh, Euro games. Yeah, or Labora is definitely one we should probably play more of. I've only played it, I think, probably five-ish times, but always enjoyable. Um, it doesn't have a lot of variability, but there's a different ways you can kind of tackle each deck that's included in the box. The first time I played it, it felt like it really doesn't hold your hand. It doesn't mm-hmm. tell you like which direction you should be going in. Um, it's just like, here's a bunch of options. And I, like, yeah. I don't know when I'm supposed to buy <laughs> this extra land on my player board. But also, here's a ticking, almost clock-like <laughs> device saying yeah. what resources you're going to have available. And if you don't use them... Well, sometimes it's just like, especially in this era of UA games, sometimes resources will just accumulate. Yes. And you'll be like, that looks very enticing. That's <laughs> yeah. a large amount of stone that I could use maybe for something. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to use this yeah, for. But... Sometimes you'll just take it and try to try to use it. I think in his games, are, it's a great balance mm-hmm. between that sort of tough decision, but also like that tactical decision of you know, what's best right now. And I think it's been mentioned several times on this podcast, if playing a heavy game like Aura at Labora isn't for you, then play Glass Road. It's like lighter, distilled, faster version of this. Well, incidentally, it's like Broom Service Plus or Labora to a degree. Because there is like that sort of leading and following Mm -hmm. action. Just get into Rosenberg back when he wasn't just polyominoes. Yeah. Glass Road would probably be in my top 50 if I played it even mm-hmm. w- <laughs> like <laughs> recently but i'm waiting for a new printing and that's 38 for jim or at labora number 38 is a very old title and on the lighter end of things uh but still like enough like heavy enough to it's kind of like medium i would classify it medium weight some people call it a gateway game but i don't think it's that it's a turn in texas it's an old German 
uh, titled Game. And in this game, you're building postal routes um, throughout Germany. And the game has a really clever kind of action and card play system. You can take two actions on your turn. And what you're trying to do is build a postal route. So you start with one city and then you can connect to another city. And suddenly, uh, once you have two cards down, you're defining the ends of your route. And then every card that you play on either end of it has to connect to either end of your route. So you're trying to manage gaining cards in order to build out your route as long as possible or to get to certain goal t- in, the, in the game. So if you, you know, take over every town in a province, you get a, a goal tile and you're racing for these things because they'll be like five points and three points, then one point for the third person that does it. So it's a bit of a race and you're kind of, a lot of the game is just that hand management of like, okay, can I, you know, get this card to to build out this turn or like I'll take this one and I'll build towards it. So there's a lot of like strategic thinking, but there's also a lot of tactical because you always have to add to your route. So there's this pressure to like build your route further, which is classic postal system. <laughs> classic, a classic. Uh, Don't branch off. Just yeah. keep on your single route. <laughs> exactly. So. I love that game because it's a slightly weird theme. It's like, let's build post offices in like medieval Germany. (laughs) But I think it's also that like turn management. It's like each each turn you get two actions, but you can augment it with one of the four powers. Um, And you can use one of the four powers each turn. So one of them might be like refresh all the card row. Mm -hmm. And then you can take take two cards one of them might be like you can complete your your set with like a one level higher and there's this like kind of mechanic where uh you try to grade your wagon your like distance that you can travel and so there's a lot of elements to the game that make it not like at that light to me and especially if you play on bga like people are so good oh it's on bga yeah people are Uh. really good at it so challenge accepted yeah <laughs> i have played so much of this game have you? online on a different service mm. mm-hmm. uh which i won't mention just in case board game arena wants to sponsor us yeah uh, <laughs> is it because you can't pronounce it yeah that too okay yeah i know which one now <laughs> <laughs> not the french one. Oh, the other one this game is so smartly designed as well there's no flaw in this game by way of every decision or every mechanic relates to something which builds up tension or the theme of it. So one thing, like AB said, the wagons, it's kind of a personal goal. Everyone can go up the wagon track, so to speak. But if you fall behind because you didn't design your route well, then you're behind everyone else. So it's a race of also, it's a race to build routes, but it's also a race of not falling behind because when you fall behind, it's nigh impossible to catch up. So plan well. Well, that's the thing is that the distance or the the sort of wagon portion of it, you start at three, then you go to four, then five, and you're slowly uh, closing bigger and bigger routes. A player could decide to go for a huge route at the beginning, mm-hmm. not worry about the, the wagon scoring, but really getting those like big province points, you know, those big uh, goals there. So Yeah, because even if you do there. a seven city route you can still only take the first wagon if that's your first route yeah and did you mention when you close a route you have to pick either all of the yes, postal units that's, a, that's, that's like a, such a good such decision. a good decision in your route you can either put postal offices down all in within one province mm-hmm. or uh, one in each province you connected through so sometimes you want to build a route through multiple just to get multiple out and you, there is a race towards like getting one post office and all the 
all the provinces. Yeah. yeah. Having that tough decision combined with all of those goals being public, it's like a race towards them, takes it to another level. The strategy involved in that game to know which goals you're going to go for uh, becomes much clearer. And they're all out on the board. You can see what people are aiming for by like turn five or turn six. So, And it's so enjoyable. It didn't make my list because I felt like it was a bit light. How do I compare this to on Mars? But I love this game. It's so good. Yeah, this one kind of fell through the cracks for me. I When we played, I've only played once or twice. And when we were playing it, we also played a bunch of other things. And the one that sticks in my brain is like Council of Four. Mm, and right. uh, they're just very similar. They're both like route building. Yeah, yeah. They both care about things like being in different provinces or one big line in the same province, like side of the board in Council of Four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I should go back and play this because... I liked it, but it wasn't the best. And right. I think going back to it for multiple plays would would illuminate some of the joy that you guys. This find one's in it. simpler than Council mm-hmm. Four, and oh, I, I find it's okay. like yeah. it's definitely like lighter. But I think there's so many smart decisions in it. You feel great playing it. It's not a game you're going to be like let's play bulk games on this night specifically to get turns and taxes yeah, out. Yeah, sure. Because it'll be like under an hour. It's the perfect appetizer to your main game. Yeah, I mean, I love yeah. that. That's yeah. great. And that was my number 38, Turn in Texas. My number 37 is a great game that we played pretty recently, actually. This wouldn't have made my list if we hadn't played it so recently. But um, I really enjoyed my play of it. This is also a perfect theme with perfect mechanics. This is Grand Austria Hotel. One of the few games on this list that I don't own. Grand Austria Hotel is a game about managing a hotel. I always think of... What's the... Um, Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, I always yeah, think of yeah. Grand Budapest <laughs> the Hotel. The Wes Anderson film. And that yeah. just helps so much. Um, you're opening rooms for guests. You're trying to lure them into your hotel to stay the night by Love offering cake. them cake, and coffee, strudel. wine, strudel. But realistically, it's like a very tight dice drafting game where every decision really, Ex- extremely really tight. Yes. <laughs> is 14 turns. It's very short. And everything costs more money than you have. Um, which <laughs> yeah. you find out very quickly in this game. I, I have played whole games and halfway through, I was like, AB, how do I get more money? And he's like, uh. I warned you. <laughs> like, I said, don't run out of money. <laughs> you dug yourself into a hole. Yeah. And now yeah. the difference between having $1 and $0 is huge in this game. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's really cool. I mean, like I said, the theme is great. It's very variable. It, it's one of those games that has a draft up front, which is always really cool where you can't really go into it with a strategy. You have to kind of look at what you have available and craft your strategy out of that, which I love because, you know, if you don't play the game enough, you're not going to know all the intricacies, right. but by seeing a new draft or a new hand of cards every time, you have to make choices yeah, on the Yeah, and you, for a new player, you can't give them a pre-made set. Yes, for so sure. So that's, that's always the nice part about about it. But yeah, Grand Oster Hotel like so good just on how tense yes. the game is uh, how how tough the decisions are each turn to turn and it is a dice draft so some rolls of the dice might benefit other players more depending right. on what you've set up for but really like there's a lot of balance to that when the, there's a snake draft in terms of turn order and there is a sort of like re-roll mechanic as well that yep. a lot of players try to take their chance at if they really need to do something in a particular round i think most people should embrace for re-roll i think this was the game that encouraged me to because it's so tight as you mentioned there's yeah. only so many rounds 14 turns mm-hmm. that if there's something you really need it's better to take your chances and re-roll the dice to see if you can get multiple of that rather than just limping in on something or taking the action with the most dice yeah 
it's something like, oh, I can get like a whole bunch of wine and coffee right now, but if you can't use it that turn, it goes to your storage and it costs money to bring out later. It is one of the games where, I mean, unfortunately, I think it's best at free, as in you should just play this with three people or less. Likely, yeah. Four, yeah. it's like... There's so much time between... Yeah, exactly. The dice drafting of your first, so... Well, um, especially like later in the game where you have a bunch of those employees out and your turns will become much longer. Like there's mm-hmm. just going to be so many things you can do, combos. It really is combo on combo, this mm-hmm. game. Like the a lot of it is just setting up multiple turns in advance. Mm-hmm. I think it's a masterclass in like original theme mixed with mechanics. A lot of the time we're like, oh, you know, there's lots of like games about conquering things or games about, you know, fantasy, space, sci-fi. And this is just such a a great theme mixed with great mechanics done really well. I'd love to see more games like this. Mm -hmm. That's my 37. That's Grand Austria Hotel. And my 37th game is one we have already talked about on a previous podcast about upcoming games. This is actually going to be a reprint, remaster. It's Brussels, 1893. Oh, pretty high. Yeah, I love that this game has so many different moving pieces which you can interact with. Um, You know, there's the worker placement board where you're also kind of bidding for in-game scoring cards. There's the art buy sell um, market market and there's those little helpers you can draft as well as the building you're trying to architect it's Mm -hmm. kind of the anti-iki where there's a whole bunch of random things but they're all brought together really well yeah this is one of the classic like kitchen sink ones Mm -hmm. where it's like oh let's throw everything in and somehow it works (laughs) yeah Yeah. so i won't go too much more into that because we've already talked about it but really looking for for the uh, reprint of it i'll probably pick it up just love the art nouveau style as well the area control aspect there's you know the uh, resource gathering and usage aspect there's an economy part of it it has a little bit of everything and for some reason it all ties well together and that was 37 for me quickly done brussels 1893 not 1897 1893 uh this Next entry, 30, number 37 on my list, is maybe controversial because it is a grouping of games that I haven't actually mentioned as a grouping recently. But these used to be categorized together a lot by, yeah, when people talked about this series of games, they'd be like his trio of auction games. And this is uh, three games by Reiner Kinizia that are around the same era of his design. Uh, this is Medici. Modern Art, and Raw. And these ones somehow all ended up around this area of my list. And I was like, oh, I can save some room <laughs> and, <laughs> and compact them all together. That's really the only reason yeah. that they've been grouped together. Space Just, uh, efficiency. Yeah. But I think all of these are a great representation of like how to do like very pure auction mechanisms in games. Medici is probably, that's why I mentioned it first, is probably my favorite of them is that... It, it's so pure in that you're bidding with your actual points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Medici is a kind of set collection push your luck game where you're trying to get a bid for sets of resources. And you're doing that by spending your points. And I think it's like such an easy thing for new players to kind of get into. It's pretty simple. It's like, how much do you want to pay? That's But that's the points you're getting. So there's a sort of max amount of bidding. 
kind of set there. Yeah, it is interesting to see how the economy is set in that game. Like how much points are people willing to give away in that very first auction and that kind of sets the tone for how this is going to go. Yeah. Something similar to QE, basically. The fact that it's not straight money, it's just, oh, although I was thinking I would only bid five points for this, (laughs) Robin has gone with 15 to start with. So it's that type of game today. (laughs) That type of game, yeah. So there's Medici, Ra, and and Modern Art are both very, very different in terms of their takes on auction games. But Ra is also so great. It is kind of you're drawing tiles you're either on your turn you're either drawing more tiles to add to the lot that you're bidding with or you're calling the auction raw Raw, which is and the new edition is like very chunky wooden components uh, or in the deluxe one at least i have but super simple everybody that i usually introduce this one to is very much enjoys raw i thought it was over produced but right but it's it's a deluxe edition so you can get a regular i don't think it is anymore because I think a lot of people are tagging along to, I think it was the Shut Up and Sit Down review of Ra, or there was one review of Ra where soon as, or maybe it's even the rule book for all I know, soon as you start the auction, you have to pick up the big chunky Ra mm-hmm. marker and start hammering it on the table, screaming <laughs> Ra, Ra, Ra. And you need that deluxe component to be able to do that. Yeah, although that's in the base edition. Uh, it's the w- upgraded wooden tiles that is. But you're pulling them out of the bag, and it feels much nicer to pull yeah, the, mm-hmm. the wooden, the wooden tiles, yeah. than the cardboard. Um, and modern art is just like sort of it's such an interesting one because it is such a player driven economy in that one. Like the valuation of all the artwork is done by via the auction. Uh, but there's also five different types of auctions that can happen in the game, and depending on what you play and decide to auction up, yeah, you determine the type of auction. Uh, that will will be exhibited. So this is Reiner Knizia's kind of trio of auction games that's in my number 37. If you were a brave reviewer, Robin, yeah, uh, what one of these is, would you say is your favorite? Or is that a spoiler? No, for me, it's really easy. I, I'm not someone that likes auction games, typically. I would say Medici and QE are the two games that I would go to if, if someone's like, let's play auction. I love Medici. I love QE. I, I understand that raw and uh modern art are classics for a reason if you like auction you should have played all these games because they're all excellent i think one of the best things that all three of these games do is they all have really exciting moments Mm -hmm. um yeah medici actually probably has the least exciting moments just like I feel like every well, moment you're in that pushing game is your very luck exciting. And yeah, 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 you're pushing your luck and revealing cards. Yes, and... it's maybe not as obvious though. Right. Like sometimes the auctioning in modern art is just like frantic, which yes. is crazy and lots of fun. And yeah. raw also just like every time there is you know chanting raw is, is exciting in itself. But yeah, I, I prefer Medici for sure. Yeah. In terms of like difficulty, it's probably Medici than or sorry, difficulty of teach is probably yeah. Medici than raw. And then modern art is very tenuous, depending on yes. like some people Scoring can really is, overspend yeah, yeah. in that game and bid way too much mm-hmm. and not know it. I like Medici and Raw. It's yeah. very clear, like what you have to bid. And and the best thing, like Raw, what I didn't mention is that there are set bids. So that's one of the best things is not going mm-hmm. up by one, going around the table, everybody like 10, 11, 12. It's, it's really you have a set number of bids in front of you, three bids. Mm-hmm. You're only going to win three things during that whole bidding round. round yeah so yeah really really tight and just elegant 
auction games, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, question for you, Vin AB. Which version of modern art is your favorite? I currently own both the Oink Games edition because nice. it's very small. And then also I have the Dice Tree edition with the giant gavel, which is amazing because <laughs> you it is a full-size gavel <laughs> that you are calling an auction with. Perfect. What's the stamps? Which edition is that? Uh, that's the Oink, like the original. That's like $900 <laughs> or like $400 <laughs> at least like because it's out of print. I would love a that's reprint of that one because I, I love the like, theme of it. Yeah, which yeah. Is stamp stamps collecting. is so great. Yeah. Yeah, I love it too. So that's the old Oink Game edition. But yeah, that's my triple auction game entry, number 37, Medici Modern Art in Raw. My number 36 is kind of a surprise to me that it's on this list. There isn't another game that really feels like it fits this role for me. I really love SimCity. I really want a like top tier city building game, but I feel like this is the one that currently is holding that spot and I'm hoping that it kind of gets dethroned one day. But right now it's Suburbia. Suburbia is a classic tile laying game where uh, you put residential tiles beside industrial tiles beside commercial tiles, and those will have different effects based on, you know, if they cause too much pollution, you shouldn't be putting them by residential tiles. And if you have a school, you want all residential tiles around that. If you have like a dump, you want it far in the industrial zone. Uh, You're collecting the tiles by kind of drafting them. There's like a line of tiles in a queue and you pay based on how far down the line they are the tiles that have just come off the top of the deck cost more and you kind of wait and try to bide your time until they're nice and cheap at the bottom but knowing that everyone wants certain tiles they might get sniped out before you have a chance to grab them it's a very simple game i've played a lot on the app so that's you know how i've mostly played this game i do have a the original copy and i like playing it the art is much nicer on the newer edition but it's just like a solid city builder that I enjoy playing and it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, I don't think I played this with you guys, but I played it back in New Zealand. It's one of the first games mm-hmm. I played that was in the modern board gaming scene. And the thing that really struck out to me was the barriers of getting to the next yeah. stage in that game. Like, yeah, was the it population. economy or population? Population. population. Yeah, yeah, your amount of economy goes down the more population you have. Yeah. Or something like that. There's barriers of entry to like the next level. You can't just like linearly improve your city. You Mm. have to exponentially improve your city. And so like placing tiles uh, and triggering those effects is really important at the right time. You basically have to balance having enough commercial success and and creating monetary value along with creating population which is points in the end which is the sim city-ness yes of it like yeah. that sort of balancing I, guess. I just love like the tiles beside each other that thematically makes sense like yeah you know you have the school don't put your dump right beside there don't put your airport right beside there put a bunch of houses that makes sense mm-hmm. unless it's a piloting school and, and then yeah, you do yeah, want no four airport. airports <laughs> yeah. i like this game i think i would like it a lot on the app probably mm-hmm. i should probably try it out because like i just found I mostly played this at four players and it just was quite slow. Yeah. Um, Plus you don't really interact. No, yeah. you interact only with like the card row. Yeah. The tile the row. The card row. You kind of want to watch the, what players are doing. Like the play I had that was best is a player that had an upgraded edition where they had little stands that indicated the type you know, of, in the type of tile. Yeah. So you could kind of see across the table and be like, oh, they have this one. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that was a good quality of life upgrade. Have you played Neom? No. That one is, for me... That's going to get closest. That's a, that's a hot take. You can play the hot take sound. <laughs> but for me, it might be like the better version of that city building game. Yeah. You know what else we played that 
was pretty good and I would like to play more of is the Vladimir Suchi game. 20th Century? Yes. Hopefully, at some point, he's reprinting Shipyard, so I'm like, it's such a cool game. And yeah. it was the first edition was so ugly yes. that I hope he does a new version of it. Because that was the sort of like city building and pollution management yeah, game. Yeah, pollution management was the big thing in that one. Just thinking London. Yeah. It, it's a different vibe, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like more engine building. I really like adjacency in right. these kind of games. I think that's what makes it for me. Yeah. 20th Century is super cool. Mm-hmm. Vladimir Suchi, if you're listening. No, <laughs> sponsor <laughs> yeah. us. Sponsor us, but also reprint <laughs> that one game. This, you know, is mostly on my list because of the theme. The mechanics are solid, too. But uh, I hope one day it gets replaced by something that I love even more. But that's my current SimCity building game of choice. My number 36, Suburbia. Similarly, number 36, for me is not the perfect game nor is it the best in its category but it is one that introduced me again to the genre um and one that i have a lot of memories playing when i was younger uh and so my number 36 is battlestar galactica the board game uh so battlestar galactica the board game is a hidden trader game if you play dead of winter um this was the well i'm hesitant to say the original but this was its predecessor at its very least and probably the better game right definitely yeah. i think so but i think that also might be a controversial opinion i don't know if it's no controversial. i don't think it is at the time i think battlestar galactica was very hard to get into and so a lot of people fell into playing dead of winter because it was so accessible mm-hmm. yeah zombies yeah zombies. yeah and no one anyway lots of reasons yeah. uh storytelling and whatnot uh, but I think now it's like it's pretty concluded that Battlestar Galactica is the the best game in this genre. Yeah. So I'm gonna start this by saying I'm not a Battlestar Galactica fan. <laughs> I have never <laughs> never seen the series or the movie. Wow. Okay. And yet played the game. <laughs> yet play and own the game. So you don't understand what a Cylon I is. I know the concept okay, of a yeah. Cylon, but just from the rule book of the mm. Battlestar Galactica Filmed game. Filmed in Vancouver, Jim. Is it? Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so we're sailing through space, uh, trying to get to another location, Earth, maybe in this one. In the board game, I think Earth is part of it somewhat, or maybe not, because it's not canon to the storyline. Either way, best at five, you play crew, one of which could be a Cylon, uh, and you have to achieve various tasks successfully. Is there a, like, way that, yeah, there is a way that all could be good. Like, there's yes. no silence. So, well, it's very unlikely at five, okay. which right. I prefer to play at. Right. Uh, so, you get uh, two chances to be a Cylon, which is, I think, thematic. It's like halfway through the game, you check your other identity card and you could have been a human, but secretly a Cylon that yeah, thought it was human. Thematically, some, some Cylons don't know that they are Cylons. Cylons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you're achieving tasks. And I, that's really diminishing what they are. It could be like fighting off one of the bad guys in Battlestar Galactica. Cylons. Cylons. Oh, their, their ships, their spaceships. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it could be just <laughs> dealing like with something. he went through this whole thing yeah. thinking Cylons were the good guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it could just be like achieving something within the ship. Maybe there's a malfunction in the computer room and you all need to contribute to that. So it does that thing where you all play cards. And you shuffle them up and you reveal enough cards of that type to pass a certain task. If you don't, it's either because the people didn't have the cards or there's a Cylon amongst your group. Yeah, standard hidden trader game. But the first I played, 
Now there's two copies in my group, one in New Zealand and one here. Hard to find. and They have reprinted it, Fantasy Flight, I think. Unfathomable. Yeah, yeah. printed as Unfathomable. From what I understand, it's the same game, uh, just rethemed. I have not played it. I'll just play Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, it has some expansions mixed in now, which is good. But it is cultists on a ship trying to sail to an island. So mm. a little bit different in theme. Yeah, and cultists are good people like Cylons. Yes. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I played this so long ago. Like when I first got into board gaming, it took us five hours to play. Ouch. And I was like, I'll never play this again. It was too bad. Oh, that's my Terraforming Mars experience. Nice. Five Five hours. Four hours to play my first game of Terraforming Mars and never again do I have the urge to play it. Right. And the worst part was I was a Cylon and my other friend was a Cylon. After five hours, they were like, we're going to make it. And then we were like, no, you're not. No, you're not. And it was just like, man, there's five hours wasted. And me and Well, no, you like, guys won. We're yeah. like, we did it. We, we taught the game and we won. It was like, oh, oh. that's not good. Yeah, this game is, is, I think, you know, social deduction lies, the spectrum is Battlestar Galactica to like the resistance, right? Mm -hmm. This is the heavier side of this genre. Yeah, it's like the social deduction game, but there's a board element to it. And it's the second one, I guess, because we have on my list, because I had a study in Emerald First Edition on here. That's a bit more chaotic versus more streamlined as a game, uh, which is why it's higher up. Yeah, any game that you can throw your friends in jail but then you've actually falsely done it and <laughs> they're just very mad yeah, at you. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty great. I think this is a category that needs a lot more refinement. I think we also talked in the upcoming games of 2023. There was Among Cultists coming out. Mm-hmm. It also looks like a long play because I think you summed up my worries about this genre in general is that a group of people plays four hours of it and at the end, half of them feel like they haven't achieved anything. Right. And uh, you got to be prepared for that if you're going in so it's not for everyone we should i guess mention dark moon is the retelling of this game but in a shorter playtime. Mm-hmm. Mm. none of us have played it from my knowledge and so yeah i haven't played Battlestar galactica i would be willing to try but like long play times for this type of game are probably not for me <laughs> i mean it's supposed to play in like two hours yeah so. yeah. yeah it's supposed to be much faster than yes that. yeah and that was my number 36 Battlestar galactica the board game as an aside, though, I think that's probably like a canon event in every board gamer's <laughs> origin story. Right? They play is a very long first play of something. Yeah. That's something exactly. that's like genuinely a really good board game, but because it took twice as long to play, they never want to touch it again. Yeah. Like mine is, well, there's two. Like one was Trakirion, which was about five hours, and the <laughs> other one was Shogun was one of my first big board mm. games and somebody bought it because they liked the cover and one of my friends was like, hey, you play some. And <laughs> at that point, I was playing probably like Seven Wonders or something. Yeah. And they were like, oh, come over. We invited like six players and we're going to do this game. And then I get there and he's like unwrapping it out of shrink. And I was like, what? <laughs> What's going on? So I had to learn it from the rule book. Oh my God. Teach. It took about six hours Jesus. for this this game. Amazing game, but... Mm-hmm. Not a great first experience. Anyway, my number 36 game is one that is a crossover within this podcast. It is Broom Service. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is... <laughs> Sounds so is, disappointing. No, I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy. That makes sense. So it makes sense. Currently, AB's... Incidentally, mine is higher than which Robin's, is crazy. which is surprising. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my last like three or four plays of it haven't been as good, I right. think, but um, I, I'll always play it. It's I'd so be good. interested to know why. What you said, actually, is the player's... 
didn't grasp exactly what was happening in on the board and other players did and so there were some players that were way behind and other players that were right. way ahead and i just felt bad for those players because there you can clearly see there's no way you're catching up yeah you know if two players get to the right hand side of the board and have those like big contracts Turns, yeah. in, if you're just like dirtling around the beginning mm-hmm. you don't know that's bad and dirtling spuddling yeah spuddling. <laughs> little yeah. spuddle just yeah. collecting your potions yeah. yeah but yeah broom service by alexander fister just such a great system i did realize while talking on like robin's segment of this is that it is kind of like trick-taking which is, is a thing that like a mechanic i've recent very recently like really grown attracted to but there's that sort of turn net order management aspect of it that's you know at first blush it doesn't seem like crucial but sometimes it's like you want to see like where you will be in turn order uh, yeah. depending on what action you want to take yeah it's a must follow game yeah but yeah my number 36 broom service amazing game hello this is your friendly local editor here to tell you that we've cut this episode into two parts um, i'm having a baby this weekend and we thought it would be better just to take a week off and see how that goes without straining it too much with the podcast episodes as well We'll be back next week with the next five entries of this list and then back into 10 for the rest of the list going forward. I hope you're enjoying the episode. We put a lot of work into it and we really had a great time making these lists and choosing the games that should be on them. If you have any games that you've been playing or any games on this list that you would like to talk more about, feel free to join us on our Discord linked in the description of this episode and we'd be happy to chat with you about any board games. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Yeah, I'll probably let you down on it, but... Uh, what? what? <laughs> You'll let me down on it. What, what does that uh, mean? I think it'll be a letdown for you because oh. I've hyped it up so much, but it is... Right. I mean, it's number 37 for a reason. I really enjoy this one. And that was my number 39, Iki. Iki. Mm-hmm. Iki. You've got a choice of three there, Robin. Yeah, thank you. All right. Hey, and welcome back to the discard pile. That's right, AB, Robin, and I are still running through our top 50 games. And on this episode, we'll go through games 41. No, I've screwed up already. 